Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on. Has God been good to anybody at Eternity Church this week? Amen. Praise the Lord. I was uh, last night, I was um, worshipping in the back room there and feeling, I don't know, whatever it is, just feeling the feelings. Maybe unqualified might have been it. Sitting there thinking, man, I don't even know because this word's going to be a little different than the rest of the words I'm going to share throughout January because, you know, in, in, in chapter one, it's a lot of information. It's like, and this happened and that happened. And, you know, and in the other ones, we could, you know, draw some inspiration from people's interactions and stories, you know what I mean? Uh, how God interacted with them, how they interacted with God and, and all that. And today I'm, I'm, I'm stuck with, and so it was this and then this and then this. And I'm like, I don't even know how to preach this word in a way that yada, yada, yada. And I got all up in my head and I was concerned. And, you know, the, it wasn't the, you know, the last, you know, sort of eight days have been stressful. Not really stressful, sorry. Busy is probably the word. Distracting is probably the right word. And, um, and so I'm just sitting there, and I'm just standing there, I'm worshipping, and, and I really felt like the Holy Spirit say, if this thing was built on you, it'd be, it would have crashed and burned already. <laughs> and, um, and I didn't feel like the Holy Spirit was trying to insult me, you know what I mean? But maybe encourage me with some truth. And um, because there is this thing for pastors where it's like, you know, you, you, better, you better kick that through the goal every week, you know what I mean? And you got to preach, you know, I probably preach about 42 times a year, uh, 42 weekends a year here, uh, plus then whatever else in other places. And there's that pressure. You, you got to, you I'll go American for you. You got to hit it out of the park every, every weekend, you know. And, 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 you know, and then I'm like, well, uh, <clears throat> first week back was good. You know, we, we had a uh, hundred people filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues, and, and in our church it didn't even it didn't even go bonkers. You know, people were like, like listening to the Word of God, like the way Paul instructs the gifts of the Spirit to be used. And I was like, that was amazing. And then the next week we had altars full of people that had gone through storms in their lives, and just just reminding them that Jesus is with them that he's never going to leave you, he's never going to forsake you. And I was like, there are a couple of good weeks. And, and I'm like, and, and I started to get in competition with myself. Uh, like I was the one that filled people with the Spirit two weeks ago. Or like I was the one. You know, you just have those moments. And, and the Holy Spirit's just like, look, if it was built on you, it would have crashed and burned already. And I was like, yeah. Well, I'm going to preach what I feel like you gave me and trust that you'll do you. And then we sing this song last night too. And, you know, he won't fail me, you know. Got a word and a little glimpse into a pastor's heart for a second there, you know. We sometimes try to carry more than we were ever supposed to carry. And when you do, you can't. And so you can't carry it. So, But anyway, hey, if you're new to Eternity Church today, just welcome. You know, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, I'm glad all y'all are here. Seriously, thank you for coming to church again and putting God first before you go out and um, well do nothing since it's raining and uh, <laughs> but but I'm glad you're here today um, and uh, I'm glad you keep bringing new people to church just keep doing that you know more people need to find a place that preaches the truth full of grace and um, we need that and our community needs that and 
the only way they're going to get that is not by me standing on a street corner with a megaphone, uh, but by you going to your workplace with a megaphone, uh, going on your social media with your megaphone, or texting people, you know, and saying, hey, y'all need to come to church, you know. Um, so thank you for doing that. Uh, if you are new here today, out in the lobby there, please, um, please take your free gift. There's a bunch of yellow people running around, you know. They got these gotcha. That you see, they, it says crew on the shirt. I got you, crew, right? And they got you. So anything you need, they got you. If you need um, any week, by the way, if you can't find a seat, if you're, you know, particularly in the last service that we do, um, they'll help you find one. If you need a coffee and you just don't want to line up, they'll jump to the front of the line for you. They have special front of the line privileges and um, they'll get you your free shirt. They'll help you check in your kids. And so please go see one of them if there's anything we can do for you uh, after the service and they'll pay your mortgage. There's all sorts of things that they can do for you. And so, all right, so anyway, we, we are starting a new sermon series today, uh, Walking Through Genesis. Um, and so, so that's going to be fun. I'm going to read an entire chapter of Scripture to you this morning. And um, I did that last night. Um, in future weeks, I'm probably gonna ha- it's probably going to be shared either in the news or one of the staff or, 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 or your husband or wife uh, will get up here. Someone else will share it. Um, but today, I just wanted to read it to you. Um, one thing we know from Scripture, about Scripture is it talks about letting the water of the word wash over our souls. And, and so I just really believe that, um, that as I'm reading this passage, which can get wordy at times, that, that the uh, Spirit of God is just going to minister to your heart. And uh, even when we don't understand Scripture, just the reading of Scripture washes our souls. And, and so if you are just feeling a little dry this morning, I just believe that as, uh, as I read the word, and it's not my voice that will that will wash over you. It's not my voice that will change your life, but it's the words that they're carrying straight out of the Word of God into your life. And So I just believe that though I'm going to be reading for about four minutes, um, that, that this particular passage, as I read it, it'll just refresh your soul back to the beginning of it all and just remind you and your heart that, uh, that God had a plan and a purpose in it all. Amen? So you can lift your hands, you can stand there, you can close your eyes, you can do whatever you want, but let's let the water of the word wash over us. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and God said, let there be light. And then there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. And let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above it. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. When we see heaven here, the heavens... In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. It's not talking about heaven as that eternal dwelling place, but it's talking about the cosmos and the sky and everything else above. God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place. Let dry land appear, and it was so, because God said so. Amen. And God called the dry land earth, and he called, uh, sorry, and the waters that were gathered together seas. God saw that it was good. 
And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, uh, plants yielding seeds and fruit trees bearing fruit in which their seed shall be according to their kinds on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seeds according to their own kinds and trees bearing fruit in which was their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let the lights in the expanse of the heavens separate from the day and the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let, the, let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse um, of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day and God said let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to their kinds and God saw that it was good and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply upon the earth. And there was evening and morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creeping things, beasts of all uh, of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts in the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw it was good. And then God said, Let us... Come on, and then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and the livestock and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and, God, and in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it. How rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves along the ground. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with its seed in it. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and pray. Sorry, and every bird of the heavens and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath and life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, Lord. I pray that as we walk through Genesis, that it would be for all of us over the next months or years or however long it takes to get through all of the chapters, Lord God. I pray that it would be for all of us a great grounding, Lord God, a great moment where we begin to understand how it all began and how it then began to unfold for thousands of years, Lord God, that we would be able to look at how it began and be inspired and reminded by how you planned it to be and we would see how it unfolded and we would be warned Lord God of what we should not do and inspired to go back to how it should be Lord God I thank you that you were there in the beginning that you never left us as it unfolded that you came and you sent your son to die for us on the cross because you couldn't stand being separated from us God I thank you that you have always been there you are here and you will always be here in the name of Jesus Christ I pray amen Amen. Come on, give God just one more shout of praise.
the God that created the heavens and the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may take your seats. It is good. It is good to read the Word of God. I want to encourage you and your families to read uh, Genesis chapter 2 over this next week and come to church next week ready and you will have no idea. You'll, you'll read the whole thing and you're like, I don't know which uh, portion of that scripture is going to be the main part uh, for the sermon, <coughs> Excuse me, um, but it's going to be good. Um, what we're doing is we're going to go through Genesis and it's not that every week for the next year I'm going to preach on Genesis. It's that I'll probably do like two or three weeks on and then two or three weeks off, right? And so it may take 17 years to get through, um, but, but we will get there, okay? Um, but, but one thing we know and one thing I know that God knows about me because he made me is that, um, that uh, staying on one sermon series for, for 50 weeks is just not going to be something that I am able to do, ever. And, uh, and so, you know, it would take a lot of coffee for me to do that. And so, um, but we will get through it and I'm excited about it. So. Uh, the first part of my message today, I'm going to be really teachy, you know, like very teachy, teachy, teachy. I've uh, got a lot of uh, quotes and a lot of information, um, and not every week in Genesis is going to be like that, um, but I want to set it up for you from day one so that you know that you can trust the biblical account of creation, and if you know that you can trust the biblical account of creation, you then, you then can trust the biblical accounts of early human history, um, and as we dig into Genesis over the next few months, you can be sure that what we're reading did in fact happen, okay? And uh, like I said, verse uh, the first chapter, uh, uh, the first chapter and a half really is very much in God and God and God and God and God. Uh, and then we get to see how we interacted with God and how what was good about that and what was not so good about that. And so, <clears throat> so we're going to have a lot of fun over the next little while. But today, I want to help you. I want to arm you with the tools that you need uh, that, that that might help you explain creation to others. Um, and because uh, we don't need people that just blindly follow and blindly believe everything that the pastor says every week, right? Um, now, now, don't get me wrong, we do need faith. Uh, faith is first and foremost, absolutely, um, because it was not by knowledge uh, that we're saved, but by faith in Jesus Christ, right? Um, it was not, uh, Hebrews does not say that it was by knowledge that Abel bought a better offering than Cain. It does not say that it is by knowledge that Enoch was taken from this life. It says that it was by faith Abel bought a better offering than Cain, by faith. Faith, Enoch, was taken from this life and so on and so forth, right? And so faith is first and faith is foremost. And we'll talk a lot about that as we move forward over the next number of weeks. But we, the church, ministers, pastors, teachers, apostles, whatever else, uh, we also need to equip the saints with good Bible knowledge and the tools that, that the saints need so that they can, as Jude says, contend for the faith. <clears throat> Amen. So let's read the chapter again. <coughs> Just kidding. We're going to read the first, the first four verses. I'm sorry, the first four words, okay? Uh, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Now, I am an old school creationist, all right? Just let's get that out of there. I'll come out of the creationist closet, so to speak. 
I'm an old school creationist. I believe in a literal seven days of creation. I believe that God has always existed. Uh, I believe in the literal seven days of creation because of the way that the Hebrew text was written, okay? <clears throat> and the way that it was written, it is a literal this and then this on this day and then that, okay? And I believe that God always existed, that God will always exist that God created the heavens and the earth and the same God then went through seven literal days of creation and the same God that created the heavens and the earth created you, formed you in your mother's womb, loves you dearly and has an amazing plan for your life. Amen? So right now, before we move on from the first four words, I want to talk to you about how science now supports the Genesis narrative uh, of creation. See, for a long time, a lot of atheists would say that Christianity is like every other religion in that they all have an origin narrative uh, at some point in their holy texts. And well, they don't all, but many do. But the thing is that the Hebrew creation story was the only origin story that spoke of a time that the cosmos and the earth, the universe and the earth began the heavens and the earth having a moment that it actually started. All other religions of the time and still most speak of an eternally existing earth that a non-personal power you know, basically edited or molded what was already there, but that the heavens and the earth did not have a beginning point but eternally existed. Genesis was actually the first and only early creation story that spoke of a time that it began. And so atheists used to say that Christi, that the Hebrew faith was just an amalgamation of other Middle Eastern faiths of the time. But the truth is, every one of them spoke about an earth that always existed. Not just an idea, it was written that, that the earth always existed. And then the Hebrews come along and say, no, God created the earth and the universe at a certain point in time, it all began and has been going ever since, right? <clears throat> now, this, this moment that the earth and the cosmos began, astrophysicists, they call this moment what? The Big Bang. We call it the creation story. Same thing, same meaning, di same moment in history, different words. See, my truck was called, uh, I called it my truck, someone else might call it my Ford. Same thing, all right? Same thing, just calling it something different, okay? See, the Big Bang actually supports the Genesis origin story. You don't need to fear it. You don't need to worry about this concept of the Big Bang. That is the moment that God spoke and it all began, amen? that it sprang into existence. See, my God is big and he went bang. And there it all was, the big bang, amen. So let me share some things about creation with you that'll help you feel grounded as we go through Genesis, that'll help you understand 
that what we are reading over the next number of the next 197 sermons are in fact uh, not just biblical but historically accurate. Amen. Now, it's okay when we find that, okay, they say, well, historically this doesn't line up because we can say, well, you said that about, about creation and it turns out it did. You said that about uh, the flood and it turns out it did. And so we, we don't need their affirmation, but it's sometimes good to know that, amen. And so now Prager recently put together some, uh, some insights on creation. They had a documentary. I watched the documentary. I want to share some of the thoughts that they compiled um, for us. I want to share that with you. Um, that'll help you understand how incredibly, mm, if there was no God, uh, lucky we are that Earth exists, okay? They said that today there are more than 200 known parameters, right? And we say known parameters because we don't know everything and knowledge is still advancing and we're still learning new things. We're even discovering new materials and things in the world that we didn't even know existed, right? And so they say there are, there are now, scientists say there are now more than 200 known parameters that are necessary for a planet to support life every single one of which must be perfectly met or the whole thing falls apart, right? Now, just one example of one known parameter that you may not even realize is so vastly important, right, <clears throat> is that without a massive, gravity-strong planet like Jupiter, perfectly situated nearby, without that, uh, the Earth would just be an interstellar dartboard uh, with asteroids and meteorites just slamming in and destroying the planet on repeat. On repeat. Bang. We would just be an interstellar dub. But Jupiter, a massive planet that has a super rich gravity, draws them away from Earth. Isn't that fascinating, right? If that wasn't there, you wouldn't be here. How about that? Simply put, the odds, now that's just one of the known parameters. Simply put, the odds against life anywhere in the universe is absolutely astounding, all right? The, it's so insanely unlikely that, that, that it would be like flipping a coin in the air and having it land on heads 10 quintillion times in a row. Not gonna happen, right? We are here, not just existing, but we're here actually talking about the fact that we exist. It's so unlikely. Can every one of these parameters have been perfectly met by accident? Now again, we're just talking about the earth and life on earth, all right? At what point is it fair to admit that science itself suggests that we cannot possibly be the result of random forces colliding? Doesn't assuming that an intelligence created these perfect conditions require less faith even than believing that a life-sustaining earth just happened to beat the inconceivable odds. There's more, the fine-tuning. Now, that's just some of those. The fine-tuning necessary for life to exist on any planet is nothing compared to the fine-tuning that is required for the universe to exist at all. So we think about how unlikely it is for Earth to exist. It's even more unlikely for the universe to exist. Astrophysicists now know that the values of the four fundamental, again, the four known 
fundamental forces, gravity, electromagnetic force, strong nuclear force, and weak nuclear force, were determined less than one millionth of a second after the Big Bang. That's pretty quick for somebody to do that math. That quick. Come on now, right? And you alter any one of these four values and the universe could not even possibly exist. You alter it by this much. You could, it couldn't possibly exist. If the ratio between strong and nuclear force, uh, strong, sorry, between the strong nuclear force uh, and the electromagnetic force had been off by the tiniest fraction of the tiniest, most inconceivable fraction, then no stars would ever have formed. None. Multiply that single parameter by any other necessary conditions and the odds against the universe existing, this is not just Earth, is significantly higher than throwing our coin in the air and having it land heads 10 quintillion times in a row. Doesn't seem to be random, does it? Right? One of the... Um, somebody needs to take their pills. Um, <laughs> one... <laughs> One of the world's most renowned theoretical phys physicists, Paul Davies, has said that the appearance of design has become overwhelming. Isn't that fascinating? This theory that so many Christians used to fear is actually the greatest scientific support for what we as believers have always known, that the earth and the cosmos had a beginning. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. God. Amen. I remember when I would hear pastors preach against the Big Bang, right? Pastors would be like, oh, you're going to that school? They don't teach you about the Big Bang. Oh, are they teaching the Big Bang in science or whatever else? And they're freaking out. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, why are you so scared? It supports our faith. It supports the first page of the Bible. It is evidence that it had a time where it began just like Scripture says. Amen. It's the Genesis story with a cool new name. That's all it is. It's, by the way, it's interesting, isn't it, that the gentleman that coined the concept, the name, the Big Bang, his name is Fred Hoyle, he, he coined the term, the Big Bang. He said that his previously firm belief in atheism was greatly shaken by the discovery. The Big Bang greatly shook many astrophysicists and many of them have found room for the existence of God purely because of this discovery. And we're all so scared about it. Come on, it's just a different name, all right? You can cool your truck, whatever you want, right? But, but listen, the, the, there are so many scientists now that have come to see that moment and be like, we cannot explain it with anything but a designer. And that's it. Sir John Horton, who gave his life to Christ at some point, he says, uh, he explains why the universe points to a creator. I'm going to read you a quote of his. Now, at some point in there, it's going to pop up some theological questions for you about how <clears throat> old earth or young earth or that gear. But just listen to the quote and I'll explain those two concepts to you in a moment. He said that, um, that the universe points to a creator because for humans to exist, the whole universe is needed. It needs to be old enough and therefore large enough. Why old enough to be large enough? Because it's ever expanding, right? It needs to be old enough and therefore large enough for one generation of stars to have evolved and died to produce the heavy elements and then for there to be enough time for the second generation stars like our sun to form with its systems and planets. 
finally, there has to be the right conditions on earth for life to develop, to survive, and to flourish. But that is not all. Our current understanding is that for the universe to develop right away, sorry, for the universe to develop the right way, incredible fine-tuning was required in its basic structure and in the conditions at the very moment of the Big Bang. Someone say it. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. God created all that, and at the right time, boom. Then God said, let there be light, let there be. Now, some of you might have questions about this. There's two ways to explain this concept between old enough and young enough, um, but listen to this, all right? So the way that the text, um, um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, were basically written like this. Verse 1 is written in a tense that explains a, a, a big event, but not in detail, that happened over there, all right? So an event happened. God created the cosmos and all the earth. God created it, right? The second verse is, and the state of it was, the earth was without void, it was formless, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the deep. And then it rolls into the third verse, third verse, right? And he says, and then the seven literal days of creation began, and God said. Now, people can argue back and forth, but the tense and the grammatical style with which those three verses were written changed so significantly from verse to verse to verse that it says that, well, God created the heavens and the earth. Boom. The earth was formless and void, and God said. Now, that's significant because it's as if God made sure that the universe was old enough for a set of stars to have sprung up and died to create everything that we need so that the next set could come and support life and light, etc. Et and then God said, let there be light. So there's a new one, right? It's as if God knew what he was doing. Can I get an amen? <laughs> now, there's another train of thought that goes like this. Well, even if that's true, I don't want to believe that the universe is older than the earth or older than the seven literal days of creation. That's fine. My theology and your theology can intermingle and be just fine. Um, some, the, that, that other version of a train of thought says this, that God could make something new old if he wants. And I don't disagree. Same thing where people are like, was there dinosaurs or not? I'm like, well, maybe and maybe not. Because if there wasn't, I could see God being like, this will be fun for them. I'm going to hide these in the ground. Right? So maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. I don't care. God's God. All right? <clears throat> I lean towards an event, then the state of the event, and then the seven literal days of creation begun right there because that's the way the, gramma, the grammar and the, and, and, the, and the Hebrew style of writing in those first three verses goes from one to, to, to through it. Um, but, um, but if you haven't studied uh, Hebrew and have a better idea, go for it. Arno Penzias, uh, I don't know how to say his name, Penzias, whatever, um, a Nobel Prize winner in the area of physics said this, that the best information that we have, okay? Now, this is a physicist talking about, um, about the information that we currently have to, you know, about the universe or the Big Bang or whatever you want. He said this, the best information that we have are exactly what I would have predicted had I nothing to go on but the five books of Moses, the Psalms, and the Bible as a whole. What's he saying? He's saying, uh, I could have come up with the Big Bang Theory with nothing but the Word of God. <clears throat> 
Isn't that fascinating, right? And that's a physicist, right? Um, and, and, and then finally, Andrew Parker is a renowned British physicist, and he um, did not like saying this. <coughs> in fact, in the quote, he goes on to say that I'm apprehensive to say this. I'm not one inclined to believe this. However, he says this. This is a renowned British physicist. says the opening page of Genesis, all right, because he, uh, understanding the Hebrew and everything, he says the opening page of Genesis is scientifically accurate. And goes on to say this though, but it was written long before the science was known. How did the writer of this page come to write this creation account? He goes on to say, I must admit rather nervously as a scientist who is averse to entertaining such an idea that the evidence that the writer of the opening page of the Bible was divinely inspired is strong. And goes on to say, I have never before encountered such powerful and impartial evidence that the Bible is the product of divine inspiration. You can trust your Bible, okay? Your Bible, the Word of God, and the first page and the book of Genesis is divinely inspired Word of God. What a great statement by an astrophysicist before we walk through the, the before we walk through Genesis knowing that it all comes from God. Amen. In the beginning, God. Our God is so powerful, so wise, so big, so mighty that he was able to create the heavens and the earth out of nothing. And see that nothingness, it's that, uh, th th there's a Greek, sorry, there's a Hebrew word in there that, that speaks about how God created this and, and it was out of nothing God created it. Nothing but the power of his word because when God speaks, his, his voice organizes energy and it organizes matter. And when God speaks, nothing can become something. Amen. And God can still speak nothing into something in your life. Can I get an amen? Our God is big and creation was a big bang that still echoes for all of eternity. His power doesn't end. His voice doesn't return void. The cosmos is still expanding and it always has been since the moment that God said, let it all exist. Amen. Since the very moment that God spoke. And after all of that, the seven literal days of creation began. The first day the second day, the third day, the fourth day, amen. And God created mankind in his image. God said, let us make mankind in our image. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make mankind in our image. In Matthew it says, that, sorry, in John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was there in the beginning, and nothing was made without Him, and through Him all things were made. And then we see Genesis in the beginning, God, and then we see in the Spirit hovers over the surface of the deep when the earth was without form and was uh, void. And so <clears throat> when He says, let us make mankind in our image, it's God, the Trinity, right there in the beginning. Uh, and then He says, we'll give them dominion over all the world. So God created the whole universe... So it would be perfect to sustain life on earth so that everything that he created on earth would be perfect to sustain our lives on earth. And then he created you 
and me, his most prized possession, his most prized part of creation, and he gave it all to us to enjoy, and he told us to rule over it, and he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, rule over creation, amen? Isn't that a great, isn't it great to know that God did all of that because he wanted you to exist? Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you, right? Before. Before. Not when you were conceived. Before then, God said, I knew you. So before all of this, as this is happening, God knew you. You were in his mind. He knew what was going on. He knew what would happen in your life. He knew the decisions you would make. He knew how you would, how you would run away from him. He knew how you, would, how you would hurt him. He knew how you would grieve him. And he said, it's all worth it. I'm still gonna do it. It's worth it. And then he created you. And then he told you to be fruitful. And he told you to multiply. Interesting that he said be fruitful, right? There's a word for y'all who are still sitting in mommy's basement playing Xbox all day. Be fruitful. Come on now. Be fruitful. No, I don't do it in the basement. I do it upstairs. Get out of there. Be fruitful. <laughs> Listen, if you ain't designing video games and, and making millions from it, you're not being fruitful on there, all right? Now, it's all right to play it sometimes, but if you're playing it for like two, three hours a day, be fruitful. There is far more fruit. Oh, I'm going to make money one day. Sure you are. I'm going to win the lottery, right? Like, come on, be fruitful, all right? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. What I find fascinating is these very first commands, all this account that shows us all that God did so that we could enjoy the earth, and then, and then we have people that have the audacity to come up to us and say, no, you're a lucky ape, and you're ruining the planet. You're like a tumor. There were apes, they were fine, they were great, but then it evolved into you, you stupid tumor. And now you're destroying the planet and you need to be wiped out. That's hogwash. Come on now. You are God's most prized possession. It was all done for you. And by the way, where the heck are the lucky monkeys? Where they at? Why can't we, why can we find old fossils then, but, but, of, of apes and old fossils of us, but we can't find any like half ape, half Half us, like I said, like the apes that, 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 that are still throwing poo at people but thinking about getting a job. Why can't we find their fossils anywhere? Where they at, right? What I love about that is, see, I, I do, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. You, you, can, you can come and be here anyway if you believe in the old earth um, uh, uh, creation idea. I do not. I believe that, um, that the Genesis and the biblical account is accurate and that it's about seven-ish thousand years old. And, and, and here's why. Because we were like, well, we found dinosaur bones that are between 1 million and 40 million years old. And I'm like, can we just expand your, your little, um, can we just expand your time frame by 1 40th and say they're between zero and 41 million years old? Listen, if your parameter is larger than the gap between now and then, sit down, drink something else, and let's come and talk again. If you want to say it's between 700 million and 701 million, let's have dinner. If you're going to tell me it's between 1 million and 700 million, all I want to do is expand it by 1 700th. That's it. Look, it ain't accurate if your gap is bigger than the distance between now and then. Can I get an amen? Like, I'm not a smart man, but I know what timing is. <laughs> All right. Just absolute rubbish. 
And even having said that, uh, even if it was that old, I'm like, again, God could make new things old and hide them and be like, this will be hilarious, you know? I think that, that God's good and uh, like that. But I do tend to lean to the, uh, the 7,000-ish years old uh, there. Uh, don't really care one way or the other, though, um, but I do believe that to be accurate. Um, but here's what frustrates me, that there is this intense uh, um, um, desire to undo Genesis and everything in it, right? Again, uh, everything in it. Like I'm like, well, you know, even down to like he created, uh, men, he created men and women, and they're like, no, 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 you evolved from a monkey. Like, show me. Nope, you you got no evidence. You're just saying it. There's none. Well, you got similar DNA. Cool. Um, cool. Um, every like I said a few a few a couple of months back, right? Uh, I've got some same. You know, I got heart, lungs, and liver, and so does my dog. Do you know what I mean? But I'm not a lucky dog. I, I was just designed by the same guy. That's all. You know, and if I got similar DNA to, to a flippin' ape, that's because we were designed by the same guy. Just like every Frank Lloyd Wright house looks similar to every other Frank Lloyd Wright house because they were designed by the same guy. You know, you know, every single Ford has a blue oval on it. Shock horror. Why? They're all Fords. All right. <laughs> designed by the same company. All right. It, it's the same with us. All right. God created us all in the beginning God, can I get an amen? They want to destroy that. They want to say that it wasn't male and female. It was male, females, eyes, ers, em, zay, zing, zong, ping, pong, you know? Like it, it wasn't, all right? It was man and it was woman. And, and, and I'll give you two other options other than man and woman. Boy and girl, that's it. And every boy will become a man and every girl will become a woman. And the best life you will live is as is as the man that God designed you to be or as the woman that God designed you to be. Now, I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you that you can pursue any other idea. You can pursue any other narrative and it will not go well for you. Your life will be horrible. You will have so much regret. But, but if you would just bow down to God's plan and God's design and God's way for your life, it will go well with you. Honor your Father in heaven that it may go well with you. Can I get an Amen. None of that was in my notes. <laughs> God did all that for you. You're not a cancer on this earth. God designed you. He has a plan for you. A lot of these global warming stuff, right? Man, I'm sounding like a hardcore right-wing extremist right now, aren't I? Because I'm like, no, you're not a girl. You know, like, and then, but, but no, I'm, ju I'm just saying, listen. They've been telling us for a long time that the earth was going to freeze and everyone's going to die. Then they're like, actually, it's going to go the other way. It was only the 70s that we were going to freeze to death. It's not long ago. And then the same people that are telling us they were ice ages are worried that the temperature in the last 100 years has gone up one, one, one I think, what is it, one-tenth one, one of, of a Fahrenheit. Like, or something like that. Or like, and I'm like, well, if there were ice ages, one would expect it to warm up a little since then. I, it seems that if there were ice ages, then there, there may be little hotter times too. You know, if, if your narrative is accurate, I'm not too worried about it. I don't know if, how many Fords ruined that ice age, but, um, but evidently they did. So, All I'm saying is this. You're not a cancer. You're not ruining the earth. If we could warm this place up, I'm all for it. Everyone drive an F-350 because it gets cold in winter. I don't really mean that. Maybe I do. I don't know. You're not a cancer. Amen. By the way, 
scripture talks about how the earth will be destroyed by fire one day anyway. And, uh, and then we get a new heaven and a new earth. So uh, good luck saving this one. God did all that. You should move on, Jesse. Get back to your notes. What I want to help you see today is that God is good. That God was good in the beginning. He did a lot of good for you. That God was good on the cross. And that God is good today. Amen. Creation is good. The cross was good. Everything he made was good. Well, except for you, because you were very good, amen, and it was good. God's original design is better. God's way is better, church. I do need to move on. Trying to find somewhere to pick up. Here, where I want to land this plane I admitted last night that when I built this plane, I didn't know uh, whether it had landing gear or not. Um, and so I found some last night. I was just trying to remember where it was. <laughs> where was that switch again? <laughs> there, found it. All right, listen. This is where I did want it to land, though. This is what I did want to say, all that to say this. How good is what God done in our lives? Yeah? The band can come back up. It'll help me focus. And so... God has done a lot of good. Everything he does is good. His voice is good. His word is good. His plan is good. Everything he made is good. The trees are good. The birds in the sky are good. The grass is good. The livestock are good. The cats are even good. Your husband's good. Your wife's good. You know, like there's a lot of good. And I think sometimes it's become really easy to forget that it's good. As we have to keep defending or contending for the faith, I think that a lot of Christians have forgotten how good it is. You know? And we can get a little bitter. We can get a little broken. We can get a little blind to how good everything is that we can see people who were created in the image of God and forget that there's something good in them and we think they're nothing but a useless so-and-so. Or we can go to uh, family dinner with our wokest, craziest uncle or aunt and forget that they were made in the image of God and that there's still some of that God's goodness inside them. You know, and it can get hard, right? And you can have a bad week or a distracted week or everything can fall apart. Or like I said last week, for us, it was like, wow, there's things going on in our home. You know, the hailstorm just randomly decided that the biggest bits of hail are going to land at our house. And we're like, that, that's cool. Like we had tennis balls landing on our roof and our cars and our siding and our garage and our gutters. And, you know, and I'm sitting there and, I, uh, yeah, and, and again, I shared last week, I'm not stressed about it. I knew it would be taken care of, um, but distracted. I'm trying to do other things and now I've got to do those things, you know? And it's like, man, I've got to organize the garage door. I've got to organize the, the, the roof. I've got to organize that. I've got to organize the cars and, you know, I've got to switch one out and I've got to try and fix the other one. And we've got to go, you know, what are we going to do? You know, like one of my cars, it's like every August, it gets nearly written off, you know? And it's like, what on earth? You know, last August, 
literally last August, someone pulled in front of me and did 20 grand damage to the front end. This August, that the sky did it, you know? It's like, what is happening? You know, and then in the midst of all that, then we paid a guy nearly 10 grand to paint a house, um, which, you know, we've been saving up and working on getting this renovation, right? And so he paints our house, evidently, uh, he stained our house, it's cedar, and evidently our dog, our Banjo, likes the taste of stain. And this is this week in the same time as all this is going on, you know, and like, I don't know whether it's Saturday or Sunday or something, the dog is drinking stain. <clears throat> and you ever just wonder how these creatures survive 7,000 years without being with us? Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm going to be like, ugh, not banjo. Dude's like, giddy up. This is amazing. I don't know, it's like whiskey or something for a dog, you know, you got, you got addicted like that. Stay off the grog, guys. Come on now. Look what it did to my dog, you know. I don't know, maybe he was drunk, maybe he was high, but he made some bad decisions after that. So because we took him to the, we took him to the vet, because on, like, on Tuesday, he was like, you know, I hate life. And he was like vomiting and stuff. And Wednesday, he, he was still doing that and lethargic. So we call the vet. They're like, you know, if he's like that tomorrow, let's see, we might do some blood work. Maybe the stain poisoned him. I'm like, yeah, maybe, you know, um, liver damage. That's what happens when you drink too much. And so he's like, and then, Thursday, like dogs crazy, Thursday afternoon, again, I'm supposed to be writing my sermon instead I'm watching this dog, you know, distracted, you know, and this <clears throat> stupid dog, you know, he's like there and he's like, won't eat, won't move, won't drink anymore, nothing. I'm like, well, we better take him. I tried offering him some stain just to see if he would drink again. And he's like, he's like, no, I'm done with that. And, uh, and so I, I, I take him to the vet and they're like, you know, um, yeah, it seems like he's probably been poisoned by it, unfortunately. Uh, what we will do is, um, you know, um, take an x-ray just in case he ate one of the kids' toys or something like that. And I'm like, well, he was drunk, so you never know. I find not many people make great decisions drunk. And so, um, anyway, so that night they take an x-ray and they're like, so are you, are you missing any golf balls? I'm like, I actually am missing one. When I cleaned out my hail-destroyed truck, there was some soggy packet of golf balls, and two of them were up there, and I don't know where the third one was. And so I'm like, yeah, maybe. And you know, she goes, ping-pong balls? I'm like, not unless he ate that in Arizona. has been in there for four weeks. But um, So anyway, so then they, they said, well, we'll see if it passes. And Friday morning, it hadn't passed. They hadn't moved. They're like, because I'm like, man, who wants to give birth to a golf ball? Come on now. And I was like, that, no way. And so they're like, yeah, that ain't working. And so they then take him in for surgery. Um, I hope my dad's not watching this because if he finds out I paid money to save a dog's life, he will come over here and shoot me. <laughs> so my dad will spend 10 times more getting a business class ticket to America to tell me off for spending money on a dog. He'll be like, we don't do that, we're Newmans. I'm like, all right, yes sir, I'll kill it next time. So I pick up Banjo, I bring him back and I just cannot believe, like, how was it not the stain? Like, how, how was it not the stain? Stupid animals, right? And I like that dog, but, you know. But on the way home, I told him, I'm like, buddy, you need to know something about Newmans. This can only happen once. Because <laughs> two things you need to know. Number one, you eat another bowl, we're going to solve it for 35 cents out on Papa's farm. I'm kidding. Number two, you better stay calm because these stitches come back out. I'm stitching you up. <laughs> I mean, literally, I'll get some thread and I'll be like, sit down. 
you know. Distracted week and sometimes like when you got to deal with a whole lot of stuff in your life, right? And then, you, you know, and then you look around and everywhere you go, people are telling your kids that they might be this, they might be that. And people are telling your kids they might be an ape, you know, protect that, that, that 3% human DNA. That's the difference between throwing poop and getting a job. So protect that part of your brain, you know. Or, and they're, they're, they're telling you that, you know, that there's just a lot going on. And it can get dis- you, you, you can get a little sidetracked and start to only see the negative stuff in the world. And I believe that God wants to remind you that um, He's still good. And some of you need a healing in your eyes so you can see again that God is good. Some of you, when's the last time you looked at the birds and you're like, they are good? When's the last time you looked at a tree and you're like, that is good? When's the last time you took your shoes off, walked through the grass and you're like, man, what God created is good. Let me tell you, some of the stuff we've all created is not so good, but everything God created is still good. It's all still good, all right? And it was all still there for our enjoyment, all right? It's still good. There's a story in the Bible where a blind man was there and uh, in John and... and um, Jesus says to them, they see this blind man and everybody's like, why is he blind, yada, yada, yada. But then they get to this moment and Jesus says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Listen, as long as you're in the world, you're supposed to be a light. You're not supposed to get overcome and blind to all the good that's in the world. You're not supposed to have this magnifying glass that's only looking for negativity. It's only looking for the garbage. It's only looking for the drama in the world. As long as we are in the world, just like Christ, Christians means many Christ, all right? Ian means little. Sorry, Ian. It just does. It's little Christ, all right? We're supposed to be like him. So as long as we're in the world, we're supposed to be light. We're not supposed to be obsessed with everything that's negative. And the problem is when when our eyes become blind to everything that's good, it poisons our lips with ungratefulness. We start walking around through creation complaining about everything that's wrong in the world. Having said these things, Jesus spat on the ground and he made mud with saliva. And then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and he said to him, go wash. And here's the crazy thing. When it said he was blind, he was without vehicle with which to see. That means there were holes where his eyes should have been. And then Jesus takes something out of the mouth of God and he spits into the dirt, which was the ingredient with which out of the dust of the earth I formed you. And out of that, God then creates this mixture, stops it in his eyes and anoints him. And I believe that some of you need to know that God still has the ingredients that are necessary to, to heal your eyes to heal your heart, to heal your bitterness, to get you past that divorce, to get you past that encounter with a school teacher, to get you past that encounter with the tax man, to get you past that encounter with your neighbor, with your mother-in-law, with whoever else, because God wants you to be able to look at all of these situations and look at all that's going on in your life and look at all that's around you and look even at your mother-in-law and say, there is something good in you. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.